Hey folks, welcome to episode 176 of the Becoming Human podcast. In this episode, we're joined by JP, a world traveler, passionate skateboarder, surfer, and snowboarder, hailing from Switzerland. After falling in love with surfing as a young adult, JP made it his mission to chase waves around the world. He had also studied to become an environmental engineer, but found office life unsatisfying leading him to travel in search of a more fulfilling lifestyle. Along his journey, JP discovered a DIY skateboarding community in France and later became a project manager for Wonders Around the World, where he volunteered to build a skate park in Ngabo, Ecuador. We explore his deep passion for trick-based sports and the endless cycle of learning new maneuvers. This conversation is an inspiring look into finding purpose and balance in life. I met JP at uh, skating at a skate park, and it was cool to get to sit down and talk with him. Without any further ado, here's JP. Hey, kids. Hey, Dad. What do you want to do today? I don't know. Do you want to go to the matinee? No. Do you want to go to the amusement park? No. Do you want to go to the punk rock show? Yeah, let's go to the punk rock show. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been traveling for? Uh, about on and off for the last few years. Like the, let's say like the last one and a half years. I've hardly been home, only like twice for a month and a half or two months. Is that unusual for you or have you been doing that kind of lifestyle for a while off and on? Uh... I mean, I've always liked traveling, but there's always been like longer periods where I've been home for like studying, where I had like had to study for five years to get my degrees. And oh, you have degrees? Yeah. What kind uh, of degrees do you have? I'm an environmental engineer. I have a master's degree in that. What does that entail? Uh, it's quite a broad. What do you do? Um, thing. How have you applied it in your life? Um, so I'm at the moment I'm working on sewers mainly, mm-hmm. like inspecting sewers, but I'm on, I'm not going in there. I get videos from companies that clean them and drive that. a little robot through them and then I got to inspect them and wait, so you still actually do inspections, but remotely. Yeah. I do that remote <sighs> and do cool. some like hydraulic calculations. Like what if it? Rains real hard. Where is it gonna over? Where is it gonna overflow and stuff? Do these kind of calculations. Did you expect um, that your profession to afford you the lifestyle of traveling, or the flexibility rather? Uh, I was always playing with that idea, but like up until COVID happened, I didn't see a chance with my profession to be able to do that. So it wasn't, you didn't really do any of that inspection remotely before COVID? No, I was, I was working in an office for like uh, 12 months and then started traveling. And I was like, I didn't like the full-time working at all. And it kept me away from, from like the ocean and from surfing. Did people around you understand that at the time? Or did you feel like alone in that feeling? I mean... Maybe some friends and self understood, but like with my family, I had a hard time. You know, I would have gotten 
better position in that job if I would have stayed. And my parents <laughs> were like, no, JP, you get a good job. You should stay. But I was like, no, it's not what I want. It's not everything <laughs> to me. So I quit that job, went traveling. And there I was kind of feeling the opposite. Whereas in the office, I was kind of feeling trapped. And then during traveling, I had all the freedom. I was surfing every day. And but just had a lot of downtime and in the beginning was fine. I was reading my books and chilling and at some point I just was like, man, I want to use my brain again. <laughs> so I started doing like online courses on something that interested me, like coastal engineering and stuff. And also oh, still within that profession, just like a niche yeah, yeah. topic. In I there. was just trying to figure out ways how to be living close to the ocean all the time. So I thought I might, be able to switch into coastal engineering. So that wouldn't have been something you knew would have got you a remote position, but it would have just made you live in the kind of place you want to live. Yeah, like mm -hmm. live at the coast so I could surf and oh, so you're kind environment. of going back and forth between wanting to travel and wanting somewhere that's like more consistent and uh, more of the, a routine. At the moment, I'm fine with traveling. Yeah, because you came back to it all. So did you find like after you did all those studying and stuff like that, did you end up just looking for work and... How'd you get back to traveling again? Yeah, it was like when I was back home, I was, I mean, I always just wanted to make it work somehow that I could, don't have to spend that much time in the office. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking about working temporary. I did like a summer, but obviously can't find temporary jobs in engineering. So I was like in construction sites, somewhere mounting avalanche nets on the mountains. What? That'd be cool. It was it was a cool experience. We were like up there sleeping in in a container on what is that in feet like nine thousand feet? Wow! Flying up with a helicopter because it would take too long to walk up. <laughs> that sounds really cool. <laughs> and like all these systems got flown up with helicopters. We like pre-mounted them down in the valley and they flew them up. And we had to set them up while it's still hanging under helicopter. <laughs> it's like stressful action. Wow! Super fun. You enjoyed that? I did for a while, but then I felt like, okay, this is like, I don't know, this is maybe too much physical work mm -hmm. again, where I was like misusing my brain a little more. And <laughs> it's just about, yeah, it was hard labor. Like we we're doing 12 hours a day. And <laughs> oh, 12 hours? Yeah. Dang, that must have been like really j difficult. Oh, yeah. It was like seven till seven. It was only Monday till Thursday mm -hmm. because like, what are you going to do up on sitting up on a mountain in the <laughs> yeah. evening when you have time off? So we just didn't have time off, really. Dang. And therefore, we had like a three day weekend. But <laughs> that third day of the weekend, the Fridays, I usually just slept just all day. Dead. I was just dead. <laughs> <laughs> did it? Um, did, did you have pretty good pay for something so difficult? Yeah, in the beginning, I was kind of team leader, but then I had an injury, broke my collarbone. I was at home for like two months and then came back and then someone else had taken over the team leader and I got downgraded. Then my pay got kind of a little worse. And, uh, and and then in that position, it didn't make so much sense anymore. I finished the season till like October. Oh, and, wow. And then I wanted to get back to the ocean. Mm -hmm. I took my van, was about like, it was like my second last day at work. We were like doing longer than we should have. We were working in like a meter, like three foot of snow. What? I had to shovel everything away before we could even drill the holes to set up everything. And That's like the drilling hammer just froze in the 20 minutes you 
need it to place it from one hole to the next. <laughs> it was terrible. And then like this last evening before it was finally off, they announced like the next lockdown. I was supposed to pick up my friend in France and drive to Spain and Portugal to spend the winter there mm-hmm. in the warm. And oh. I was already living in a van back then. And yeah, <laughs> it's just locked closed down everything again this first was sitting there and didn't know what to do and then finally it was like oh you can you can come here we're like doing some DIY here mm-hmm. uh, in this place called Saint-Jean-de-Maurienne in France where they've been like building for like four summers straight like DIY like skate parks yeah it's oh. like a huge skate park it's like my buddy Jay has initiated that and he's just built this massive thing it's about probably by now it's about 3,000 square meters what with crazy obstacles like huge doorways loops and freestanding quarters and stuff crazy stuff that's impressive that's not just like (laughs) casual building at all that's serious by now it's 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 it looks professional like wow the kids from town they got they're working like pros and he sent like a lot of people that have come to help him out for a summer or so. He sent them off to work with professional companies. Like it's kind of like he's almost like a school for skate park building over there. <laughs> really, that's cool that it comes from a DIY community like yeah, that yeah. too. Because then it's not it's so like community based, right, and grassroots. Oh yeah, for sure. The um, was that when you were introduced to skate to building? And- Pretty much, like they came. Wonders came the summer before while I was while I had a broken collarbone while I couldn't work they came to our local skate park and did like a bit of a reshape there built some built the bowl and a pool inside the bowl and then some stuff around it but usually ha- they wouldn't come to a place like Switzerland they go to go to third world countries but because everything was closed due to corona they came over to Switzerland and we have a bunch of friends from there that have been on projects before, so mm-hmm. they knew each other well. And there I was kind of, I was just watching, couldn't do much with my broken collarbone. The only thing I did was like go on a mission to Germany, drive for like three hours to get the pool coping blocks. Mm-hmm. Feel like 30 of these blocks into my car. It was almost touching the ground. Oh, <laughs> no, so much just <laughs> <laughs> Just snuck over like some... In some border that wasn't patrolled. <laughs> oh, wait, because it locked out? Like, what was, why would you have to do that? Like, lockdowns or something? Yeah, and I was scared that someone would check the weight of my car because I was probably overweight. <laughs> oh, you can get ticketed for that, huh? Probably, in trouble yeah. for Wow. So that was the only thing I could help, and the rest of the time I was just standing there. So once my collarbone was good again, I, was, I had this feeling like, oh, it's so cool. It's like so grateful for these guys coming along and making our skate park better and I just wanted to give something back, like help out there. Mm-hmm. And I just drove out to France and my friend was already there. I was supposed to pick him up and go to surf, but because that wasn't possible, I was at least able to go there. They made me like a paper saying I'm a professional worker and they need <laughs> me. And I was allowed to go. The only place I was allowed to go was like the supermarket and the skate park. Mm-hmm. The spa- skate park was where we worked. <laughs> Everyone else wasn't allowed like further than one mm-hmm. one mile from their house. Really? And, that- and not more than an hour a day. <laughs> so it was like that hard. Wait, really? Was it like... Um- 
Was that heavily enforced? <laughs> yeah, they were like flying drones around and trying to catch people back there in France. No way! <laughs> and we just had this paper saying we were allowed to go to work at the skate park, but <laughs> we did work like half days and usually in the afternoon we had like a <laughs> two, three hour session at the skate <laughs> yeah. park with our paper in our back pocket saying we're working there. <laughs> wow. Was, was that like um, sh strict, like strict lockdown procedure? Was that... Um, isolated to France, or was that that way your experience in Switzerland too, in Germany? No, no, Switzerland was a little more uh, lax with that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. It's more self-discipline. Like there was some like guidelines, but was no one really in enforcing them. Like no police looking after it. Ah, that's cool. Maybe like bigger gatherings or something that mm -hmm. split them up and stuff like that. But other than that, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I take for granted the amount of, well, it's not real privacy because I know that my privacy is violated so many different times through like uh, like the NSA or whatever, like National Security Agency mm -hmm. and monitoring web traffic and stuff. But like to have like people monitoring me and like in terms of drones or anything like that and what I'm doing, that would like, wouldn't make me feel worried, but it would make me feel very uncomfortable and frustrated with my government i think oh yeah for but sure. that's also i realize that that's very unique to my perhaps my culture and other cultures around the world because not every culture is so individual that like america is would you say that uh what it's like sometimes people get really upset when they feel like someone's telling them what to do Oh, you oh know, yeah. In some sure. other places, it's like, no, you have to do what's good for your country and what's good for your society. It's not about what you want. It's not about what your family wants. It's about what your community needs, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's been loads of discussions in two different sides. Some people, well, that was the whole Corona thing. It just split society up into two camps, kind of. Did that do that, though, in Switzerland, like within Switzerland oh, itself? Oh, yeah, for sure. For oh, sure. really? Switzerland, France, like France mm -hmm. people were riding on the streets against it. And so. Where did you find yourself, not really for coronavirus, but like culturally with all that kind of stuff, just standing in the middle, not wanting to be involved in either? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, I was just like more on the side of fuck it, I'll get this vaccination if it lets me travel again. <laughs> just <laughs> don't want to be bothered by this, mm -hmm. <laughs> by this stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I am too in a lot of ways, you know. And that's how it was for like running and stuff, just the fact that like um, whatever I need to do so I can get outside, you know, because I just love being outside so much yeah. for my mental health and well-being and stuff. Um, the Wait, so is this when you when you went to the DIY park? Uh, or the DIY park and you, you met the, the builder, the main builder there and they came to Switzerland. Was that when you're learning about wonders around the world? Yeah, pretty much. Like I, I learned about them when they came to Switzerland in the summer and then actually in France in the autumn, winter, when I was there, some like Leo, the, who's now the boss of wonders, who's running it worldwide. Mm -hmm. He came as well to help for about a week and then yeah, I had in I I had in this town where we got stranded in Ecuador when Corona started. I kinda had good connections to the surf club there, the local surf club, and they just told me like, Oh, they're getting a land from the 
from the mayor that they can build like a playground for the kids and they want to like jump on the project and build something to skate that'd be cool and i was like yeah i know some people and i, I can ask and then <laughs> and then it kind of developed but from like drawing a sketch on the inside of a cornflakes box <laughs> with a pencil uh yeah back there in, in france and then i learned a little bit how to do concrete and i was like hey, maybe i can i gotta come back anyway to get my surfboards because i wasn't able to bring them on like the the special rescue flight mm -hmm. that we got home the year before so plan to go there and surf a bit and i was like oh since we're already going might as well start a fundraiser and build at least start with something small a mini ramp or something mm -hmm. um before that i've only done flats no ramps <laughs> wow that's <laughs> a big like, difference yeah <laughs> there's so much more technique to ramps right <clears throat> oh definitely the finishing i was hoping to find someone with a little more experience than me to come along and help me mm -hmm. but i found like four more people that were more or less the same experience but we just went down there i did a fundraiser got about three thousand bucks which was just enough to build the mini ram did you fun fundraise amongst your inner circle or did you guys have to like go and um go into like communities or go meet people or uh, i was no just mainly among my contacts and friends oh, I was just cool. sharing it on on social media mm -hmm. it was like a crowdfunding I always wonder how like successful stuff like that works out, you know. That was the first year, but then like the second year when we went back for for real, or mm -hmm. well, maybe I'm getting ahead of things. Like, uh, but yeah, like the second year we had proper sponsors and stuff, and cool. went to build a whole bowl and a, well, some obstacles around it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I knew I was gonna go down there to build the mini ramp because that's all I could do pretty much with, <laughs> yeah. with the time we had to prepare and with my experience and everything and the people I could get together in such a short amount of time I mean I had like three weeks time to do the fundraiser and find a team wow that's that's a short amount of time <laughs> yeah and well I ended up finding a few people it was like four of us in the beginning then five later on and, and like in the meantime i asked the uh, wonders around the world if they'd be down to come the year, the next year to help me like to make it into a whole bowl because i was like yeah i feel comfortable kind of mm -hmm. doing this mini ramp i can probably manage but i have no idea about like building a whole bowl and skate park and stuff yeah and their response was really positive they were like super stoked because apparently they get like hundreds of people each month asking them to join on a project as a as a volunteer but mm -hmm. what they actually need is like people managing projects and oh. they were really stoked that i was just going out there doing something and they're like sure we, we'll support you we'll actually like don't you want to like run a part of wonders in switzerland and, and like manage more projects afterwards and like yeah i'll think about that that sounds Sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. So, yeah, that worked out. The next year we we rocked out with like 18 people, a big team. We had about 25 grand and Whoa. were able to build like a 400 square meter skate park with that. That's a way, that's a big change up, man. 
Oh yeah, it's and, much more involved now. Yeah, and it, it was going like the project was going so much smoother because like all of the experienced people we had along. And were you managing that project yourself? Yeah, like the first year I was trying to manage everything at the same time, uh -huh. the construction side, but also accommodation, food. We were cooking ourselves, which is stupid. This <laughs> is actually super cheap there to yeah. get food. <laughs> it didn't make any sense, but we were just doing it all ourselves. And sometimes I'd have to go to the city, get supplies for the, for the site, and then I come back to the site and nothing has happened because oh. <laughs> people just didn't know what they're supposed to do and I was just really hard struggling for like three weeks straight and then the second year I had someone I had Leo on side for him it was chill because he's used to doing both as well but mm -hmm. and he's a professional skate park builder so he was just running the site and I was usually going around in town organizing materials and mm -hmm. Organizing all the backgrounds. So then you have like a your project manager and you had a site manager. Exactly. There, that makes sense. And that was so much, so much easier that year. Mm -hmm. A lot smoother. Was that your? Was this experience your first time in like a, a leadership role like that? Yeah, I've had a little bit of it while I was studying. I was running like a student bar kind of thing and. <laughs> I had managed a, a few events and stuff, like an anniversary, 45-year anniversary of the bar, and, oh, wow. and two, like, fondue nights for 100 people and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'd done a bit of that and ran that bar, kind of. Just. Did you like doing that kind of stuff and, like, managing people? And <clears throat> Yeah, it kind of, kind of like it. Kind mm -hmm. of, this is that it comes natural to me. It kind of gets, I don't know, it's like a good side at from me, like, to the outside. Mm -hmm. Does it fit lockstep, too, with, the, like, engineering? Because as an engineer, don't you have to communicate with teams so that they can make your projects or make your plans come to reality? Yeah, for sure. But I'm not doing much of that kind of project management in my job because mm -hmm. I'm working remote, and the project management just requires you to at least be available throughout the day because sometimes you need like quick decisions and then you to come around and have a look at something mm -hmm. so they know what to do next and it just doesn't work with all the time difference when i'm here and so they can't get a hold of me until like three four in the afternoon because it's night over here and regardless of the the way like if you like the way that you do project management and leadership skills it's like cyclical, you know, it's in cycles with the, what you're doing right now with wonders around the world. Right. Cause you don't, you're not building every week or every month, you know, you just build sometimes throughout the year. Right. Oh yeah. That's nice. Cause like, you're not committed to being fixed or being always available, but sometimes you are. Yeah. yeah. When, when we have a project for this month, I'll be like working a hundred, 120, 150%, like 10, 12 hours a day. Mm -hmm. I mean, usually we were, we would start in the morning with the prep work or the other guys would start prepping in the morning until it gets too hot and until about 11, 12, then have a lunch break, a little siesta and we'd start the concrete, start mixing at four because before that, it's just too hot in the banging sun. Really? Uh, yeah, the concrete just reacts really fast when you 
oh, do it in that heat. So we were starting filling up around four or five when the sun started setting and then finishing around between 10 and midnight or something. Wait, what? Because <laughs> it's just, that's how it works with the temperature and the environment. Yeah, it, and was, it was nicer to do it in the evening because then concrete's a little slower. Otherwise, it's hard to control. Did... um do you have to is it hard to balance when you're doing those working on those projects um for the skate parks is it also hard to balance your remote work too oh when i when i'm like on a project i won't be working like uh, last year i just took all my holidays we get like five weeks a year in switzerland mm -hmm. i just put them all into this project mm, that's cool. and this year i said i need some holidays aside from projects and i'm mm -hmm. actually planning to do two projects this year so i took two months leave like this may and in november mm -hmm. i have a project another one in ecuador in may and one in nicaragua in november what um sounds like a lot of your project your projects that you're doing is in south america right yeah it comes naturally because i speak spanish and you do yeah why do you speak Spanish? Is it like an interest or? Yeah, it, I picked it up in, in university. I was like one point short of getting my bachelor's degree. I was like, oh shit, I got to do something. <laughs> I could either do some boring excursion to Vienna and look at the sewers for like one point, or I could study Spanish. It gets me three points. Don't really need three points, but mm -hmm. it'd be much more useful. And so I decided <laughs> to go to Hartway and learn Spanish. Hmm. And then through my master's, took some follow-up courses. And now in the last, well, since then, I've, like if you count all my travels together, I've probably spent over two years in Spanish-speaking countries. Wow. So it's quite steady in Spanish. And, and mm -hmm. these projects that I was managing, I was like managing skate park projects in, in Spanish whoa so yeah so, i had to learn a lot of words for all the tools and all the processes and stuff <laughs> but yeah keep keep learning like that do you do you find those opportunities to learn and to step out of your routine you know uh, exciting oh yeah for sure it's just because when i'm working my my job my engineering job i'm just you know sitting in front of the computer a lot of the time don't have too much interactions with like a team sometimes with one coworker or with my boss but then when you're on a project like that you're like all in it together with 18 mm -hmm. people and mm -hmm. and also like the part of running the project like you're managing these people and you know, see to their needs and what needs to be done on the project and kind of lose yourself in the project oh yeah for sure i spend <laughs> hours like mm -hmm. like this year uh, last year i wasn't even on the site that often like i was always there when we were doing concrete but usually in the mornings i was in town just trying to get all the supplies that day that they needed it and mm -hmm. just running from hardware store to hardware store not like one big place where you can get everything in Ecuador, but oh. there's like all over town. It's like so a scavenger gotta, hunt almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some stuff like the coping bars. Mm -hmm. I think we bought this this every single one in town, like from <laughs> five different metal shops. We just, wow. We just like one had them at seven, the other had three, the other one had one. So like, and we even needed one more. So we went just down 
by size, one dimension, mm-hmm. went from three to two and a half inches or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> or from one to one and a half. I don't know. I remember, but. So since you've been doing these kinds of projects and stuff, has your knowledge of building um, building skate parks and ramps or building skate features, has that grown a lot? Uh, definitely. But I was like, it's grown more in like in sorts of project management. Mm-hmm. But of course, I've been like on the side observing how, how it works. But I wasn't like fully in working on it. Not this time, but the last one where we built the mini ramp, of course, we had to figure it all out. I was fully in the if, in the work and and I went to France again the summer after we did the mini ramp for mm-hmm. like six weeks to help on a home project of Wonders France. We built for like one month and then went to that other place where I learned it for about two weeks to help them out a bit. Is, and just that's where I learned the most. Is there like a part of it where you have to make a choice where it's like what kind of skill set um, do you want to learn and and get good at and provide within building a skate park project management or building? Like, do you have to make a choice of what kind of role you want to fill? Yeah, for sure. But I feel like I just wanted to get good enough to have like a good level at it where I could just jump in and help wherever help is needed. Mm-hmm. I always kind of like when skateboard building, like we've had like DIY builds in our own town where there'd be like 15 people standing around this quarter pipe and looking at it. It's like, that's like a fifth of the size that we did in Ecuador with five people. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, wow. What What is everyone going to do? And then, <laughs> you know, everyone's like wants to get in there and, and, work on the concrete and there's only so many tools and you know, I mean so much space so mm-hmm. in these situations I, I usually just walk away take a look around myself like what needs to be done oh maybe next week we'll need some platform back here so I'll start doing that on the side I'm always kind of like that's probably what what goes well with managing the project as well like I always like try to find stuff that people forget to do and mm-hmm. just do that I don't want to be like fighting for who's going to be yeah. working on the main piece and stuff and kind if, of if help is needed and I'm like down to get in there get on my knees and just work my ass off but as long as I'm just in people's way I'm not taking away tools from people yeah. so like this this year when, when we were enough skilled people I knew I could trust them to do what they're doing and I could see to the things that you know got forgotten on the side and mm-hmm. trying to keep that all running so you kind of fill the gaps. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel like, or how I prefer to work. Mm-hmm. That's That was interesting because it's like, you know, the engineering background, but it just sounds like so much of this, the thing, the way you provide service, I guess, to building skate parks is like about your personality and also an opportunity, what people needed most. Because everyone's like, I want to build. And there's not a lot of people who are like, well, I want to help oversee the organization of this. Oh, yeah, know? for sure. And... um and that's how I found out in like anything that I, any um, discipline that I got into, I realized like the sub-disciplines really appealed to an individual's personality, whether or not you're a teacher mainly or a competitor, you know, or someone who like um, hosts the events that people compete in, your your coach, your referee, so on and so forth. And I used to think that like, if you're going to be a 
like a skater, a skateboarder, the epitome of excellence is to be like, like Tony Hawk or um, like Rodney Mullen, right? Like doing like, like pushing the edge, right? Yeah. But then I realized that like, that's a version of excellence. There's like people who build skate parks. Those people aren't like, didn't give up on skateboarding. You know what I mean? To just do what they could. They're like, they were drawn to the building aspect, right? And like, they pursue excellence in building skate parks. And then there's even people who are teachers and like, they pursue excellence in teaching, but within the niche of skateboarding, you know? And they're not someone who's like, sucks at skateboarding. That's why they became a teacher. No, it's like, oftentimes people feel more compelled to teach yeah. than they are to like, compete as an athlete for most of their life. And that's from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like, it seems like everyone just wants to be the best and everyone who doesn't, you know, just gave up. But when you really look into it, it's like you see all these people with different personalities and they find a way to fit in with their strengths. Oh yeah, for sure. It just makes me think of Jay again, that guy in France that I learned uh, building from, like he's built this, these sick features like that I don't think like he built the loop and this little mini mega ramps thing and stuff and it was funny he was so nervous when we had the first big session there like is anyone gonna be able to do the loop like or did I build it too hard or? oh that's a thing when you build I didn't oh even yeah think for of sure that. he was like trying to make you know make the sickest features most creative features but there's always a fear that it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And it, but he builds this stuff and I don't think he's, he's done the loop himself or I'm not sure I have to ask, but mm -hmm. definitely there's some features that he, yeah, he just builds them for, for others, not, not for him to ride. Cause that's usually the main motivation when you're building skate park is building the stuff you want to ride. But mm -hmm. he's like gone even a step further. He's, he's building the stuff that he wants to see written. That's, that's and, uh, and for him, it was a huge win when the first person wow. did the loop and mm -hmm. the first person jumped that gap and stuff. It's like, oh, sick. I built it. So it works. <laughs> That's so cool, man. Yeah. And it's an interesting thing because I really think like, you know, or I know, I know time is finite, right? We only have a limited amount of time yeah. and you could try to be faster at all the things you need to do. So you have more time, but there's a, still a ceiling on that. So ultimately you're going to choose to be, to do one thing a lot or somewhere along the spectrum, or many things a little. And yeah. so someone who's going to build the sickest features, they had to have had the most experience out of everyone around. And therefore, they must have not skated or done whatever as much as the people who can't build as well as them. You know what I mean? There's, there's yeah, yeah. eating and lifestyle factors that play a part. But if you, like, if you took me and you and we optimized our life so we can maximize the time skateboarding, yeah. um, it's you still have to make a choice, you know, at some point, right? That yeah, sure. how you're going to want to spend your time. And I think it's beautiful because like, like that, like, are they going to hit the loop? Like, can they, can they make this, can they overcome this challenge that I set? And what can they do with this obstacle? Mm -hmm. Like, it's like a, a beautiful fusion of people of like creativity, creativity and building and creativity and overcoming challenges and being able to like do tricks on them. Right. Like, I think that is just, that's amazing, you know? And like, sometimes I think now, like you make these things that are pretty, like you make someone a painting or you make something, someone like a cool little sculpture, right? And they like put it up on their shelf. And I think that's beautiful.
but oftentimes it's like, it just sits on the shelf. Sometimes yeah. they'll admire it, you know, but like, um, and they'll think about the act of you making it, but like with like building a skate park or doing, you know, maybe built a custom bicycle for someone, they literally, their experience is shaped by what you created. You know what I mean? They like every day or every time they have that experience, it's because of, it's due to the nuances of how you created that ramp, you know? And like the, the loops, the same thing. Like people spend like years trying to, or like a year trying to learn how to ride your loop. Oh yeah. And it, all that has to do with like all the little funkiness that you put in the loop or like, you know, like all of that intimately affects their experience. Whereas like if I made a painting and you're like, you're either just going to say really beautiful or like meh. Yeah. You know? And I think that kind of sharing is cool. Cause even like building ramps with my son and stuff like that, it's like, is he going to be able to do it? Like what kind of, what kind of creative things is he going to be able to express himself with this ramp, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. And, and that's cool. Cause you get to share that with people across time. You know, and a skate park's interesting cause it's like, it's a public space. I don't know if that's like that in every country, but you just. At least the, the ones we build is, but the, yeah, of course there's private ones every everywhere as well you just go out there though and just just have an experience you know the um how when did you start skateboarding uh i started like for real started when i was 21 like 12 years ago i did a bit of skateboarding for like three years when i was younger like 10 to 14 or something but then back then we didn't have skate parks yet so it was just some wooden stuff we built ourselves, <laughs> um, a lot of flat ground. There was definitely no ramps and bowls. And then kind of got bored with it or just mm -hmm. got carried away doing other things. And then rediscovered it again after learning to surf and coming back home and figuring out there's no ways in Switzerland. So what are you <laughs> going to do? And in the meantime, in those seven years that I haven't been skating, they've actually built quite a few new skate parks in Switzerland with bowls and stuff. And I was like, hey, this, in the beginning, skating for me was a substitute for surfing. Mm -hmm. But then after a few years, I just got better and better at it and just learned to equally love it for what it is. What, what are some things that you love about skateboarding? I really love like, definitely out of the three main sports I do, it definitely has the coolest community. Mm. Because, you know, everybody's hanging out together at the skate park. You're, the resources is, is endless. The skate park's always there unless it's raining. Mm -hmm. But there's no fight over who's going next or who's, whose wave is it or, or who's going to go down the mountain first, who's going to get the fresh line or something. It's, you know, you just take turns and cheer each other on. And it's so cool how somehow doesn't matter how old the others are or where they're from or which gender like i skate with anyone that especially if have, they have like a little similar level mm -hmm. you have good sessions with i don't know 10 year old kids or doesn't matter at all mm, like cool. just like how supportive people are in, in skateboarding mm -hmm. with each other and yeah the fact that it's always there and you can always do it mm. whereas yeah, my other sports, it's more like surfing and snowboarding. It's depending a lot more on, on the weather and whatnot and conditions. Mm -hmm. Do you, um, 
what was it like when you got into surfing? Like, why did you get into surfing and what made you love it so much? Um, well, I got into it because I watched some documentary and I was like, oh, that looks sick. I want to try that. <laughs> <And then> I, <laughs> after finishing high school, I pretty much booked the flight to Australia for like six months. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> Is that the first time you've ever been so stoked on something after watching like a documentary? You just... Yeah, I don't know. Went I just it. read about it, heard people talking about it, saying it's like so addictive. And I was like, I don't know. I want to try that. <laughs> and then tried it, and it was just, everything was true that they said. <laughs> ruined my life. I could never be happy again <laughs> back home in Switzerland because, <laughs> like, there's no ocean. <laughs> that's, that's how I felt with like rock climbing and skateboarding. It's just like. <clears throat> I always just look out the window and I'm like, I'd rather be doing that. Like the very few things <laughs> yeah. I'm, I don't feel that way. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, cause it just, it like gets its hooks in you. Yeah. You and know? surfing is kind of, it's a weird relationship. You're, it, you know, cause it's so unpredictable. I think that has a lot to do with, with how addictive it is. Like you never know, you can go out there and it's tiny or windy and messy and, no good and a lot of the days are like that but then the days when it gets good are like i don't know there's just so rewarding what does it feel like when you ride when you when you're able to like it's good and you're able to like ride that wave you know like what's that feeling when you're in the pocket of surfing i don't know it's just pure pure joy and mm, adrenaline that's cool that's how I feel. Um, there's something that I didn't understand about, like a certain state of being, and I got it from running downhill, and I get it from skateboarding, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's like this flow state where I'm just like a hundred percent in the moment. I don't have to be doing crazy tricks or anything like that. It's just like all the time seems to go away, and I'm just like, just move. I don't. I'm moving, and like that feeling of moving, and I. It's so hard to describe. But I like, I crave it on a very deep level, mm -hmm. you know, not like romantically. Like, I don't like, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, it's just like picturing myself doing it. But just the feeling inside that I have, you know, no one watching nothing. It's like yeah. everything lines up and it's just right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know that feeling exactly. Like I, my ex-girlfriend, she skates as well. And like a lot of times... When when I get like in the zone like that, I'd, we'd be like, "Oh, we're skating together, right?" But she was like, "Nah, you're just in your own head. <laughs> you're, you're not skating with anyone. Yeah. You're just doing your thing." I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, maybe she's right. Sometimes <laughs> 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 she didn't like skating with me that much because <laughs> yeah. I was just yeah. These sessions, I would just be like completely my mind in <laughs> in skating i could be like having a conversation with someone and see the bowls empty and just drop into the bowl in the middle of the conversation yeah, it's just like oh, <laughs> i gotta go it's right there oh my <laughs> like um when people try to talk to me it's like one of the few things where it's like it's really hard to be patient you know not that i'm like frustrated why are they talk but i'm just like oh, i just i just want to drop in like, I just want <laughs> yeah, to start yeah. this line so bad because I'm, like, having a hard time not thinking about the next thing that I want to do, you know? And even when I, like, skateboarding is one of the things where I go and I do it. And if I, warming up requires discipline because I just want to, I just want to start skating. Like, I've been waiting to go skate, you know? Yeah. And I, I could never put my finger on what that was because 
it's like I feel like I want to if it's dry or sunny out, I want to be outside and at least skating for at least like thirty minutes to an hour, you know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like, for sure. And there's no rhyme or reason. Like it's not in the pursuit of a goal, which is like you know I'm trying to learn tricks and stuff, but like yeah like some sessions you go with a trick in mind or something that you think you want to work on mm -hmm. and some sessions you just go out there and see what happens sometimes you see someone else do something and you're like oh cool i want to try that and so with with surfing it's so inconsistent that you can get it but you really want to get to that that state of mind and that state of that experience it's fun because it's like it's always a tease right you might get it today yeah you just <sighs> never know you get skunked more often than not, but still you're trying to improve to get better that for the days when it is really good that you can kind of capitalize on it. Do you, um, is some of those missed opportunities not just environmental, but technique? Like, you know, you're, you didn't, you didn't ride the way you wanted to ride because you weren't doing it, like you hadn't learned to ride. Like there's certain that are, things that I get in mm. skateboarding where like I want to do a grind, right? Yeah. And it's like maybe I can get it once in the hour session. Yeah. But that makes me want it even more because mm -hmm. I want to do it like consistently, you know. And, yeah. and in skateboarding specifically, the ramp doesn't change. Yeah. So it's like me and I have to figure out how to like move my body to get that trick. And the more elusive the trick is, the more excited I am to get it. And in surfing, is that the same way or is it not technique? It's just all environmental that prevents you from No, no, it's, it's technique as well. It's technique as well. And it's like, especially when you're going for like bigger waves and, and heavier waves. It's also a lot of your mindset, like how prepared you are. Is it intimidating? To, yeah, yeah. And, and like the... Still, like I won't regret that some yeah I'll regret maybe like if I failed like I did a turn or some technique wrong and fell because of it mm -hmm. I'll be like oh damn but the worst ones are the ones you're like paddling for a wave and you pull back last second because you get scared or something <laughs> and you're like fuck what if I would have made it and oh <laughs> and those are like I've had waves like that following me like wow in my head in the back of my head for like years <laughs> like just a, one particular wave of like why the hell did i pull back there why did i not just try and you can't just go back and hit that wave again because no it's, it's not like the skate park where you're wow. like okay i pulled back but next one i'm gonna get like mm -hmm. there might not be it might not be a next one that's exciting see rock climbing and skateboarding are the same in that for me because yeah in both if rock climbing i backed down on routes because i was too scared but like i have always like every year I go back and I try it again and I, over, you know, sometimes I overcome that and I get to the top of the route. Yeah. But like it's always available. Whereas that inconsistency of surfing sounds really exciting <laughs> or the unpredictability. Yeah. yeah. The, um, is it really difficult to stand up on a surfboard and to like to ride or was that a, a pretty quick technique for you to learn? No, actually, I thought I was going to be like, oh, you know, I'm snowboarding, been snowboarding for so many years when I started, when I was like back when I was 19. I was like, for sure, I'm going to learn it very fast. And then I got out there and I was like, fuck. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm only like paddling and, and trying to get through, plow through waves and stuff and without even getting to my feet because, and, and like 
that's like the only point where it starts where I thought it starts helping you but then mm-hmm. once you finally after like a month or so I finally figured out how to ride the waves properly finally got to my feet I figured oh no it doesn't help at all the snowboarding because because <laughs> like in surfing you throw your whole shoulders and a lot more weight into it mm-hmm. whereas with snowboarding it's just like subtle touches more with your feet, feet right yeah, yeah. just oh. trying to do that and my board just went straight didn't do anything <laughs> <laughs> so it's like whole different wow yeah that's i think surfing is kind of the hardest sport out of the ones i do really it took I, me the longest to learn i always i underestimate even skateboarding so that surprises me because now with like skateboarding and even before i start i'm somewhat athletic and yeah. so like running and jumping on it was just standing on a skateboard on a flat ground seems like really uh low not risky at all you know it feels like kind of walking on like concrete or whatever but like I see people who don't have a lot of balance and coordination and it's like they're, they're like in a cartoon stepping on a banana peel. They're like <laughs> yeah, slipping yeah, yeah. out. Like the minute that they're on there, they can't keep the wheels, you know, underneath of them without leaning too far and slipping out. And I look at myself now and it's like I could run and jump on a skateboard. But then I look at other people and they're like, oh, no, they could like <laughs> do ridiculous things and be <laughs> confident in just riding away. Like yesterday you had like the board. It was you know, on like the vert of the, of the ramp or whatever. And you have one foot just touching it and you just jump into the ramp and roll away. And it's just <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, how do you even do that? And you weren't like, you didn't see, pro- you were in the moment. It wasn't very planned, but yeah. you weren't like, like shaking or like, I'm in a slam. You just, just no, float. No, the board just fell away and I managed to catch it with my foot and somehow up on it. And then even when you fall, like to someone who skates for a while, like you're not like when you fall, you're running away. You know, you're not like slamming. It doesn't look jarring. And yeah. you probably have that. Everyone falls. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. You know, has bad accidents. But like your experiences, you know, you just look so um, accustomed to the environment and moving on concrete. It doesn't look severe or scary. It looks very confident and flowy. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um with surfing though are you afraid to fall on there like is it as consequential or is it just water and doesn't matter uh, it's not the falling it depends on the spot sometimes you're surfing like very close to like rocks and stuff yeah that's a little more scary oh uh, okay yeah um did you with surfing like how much of surfing is about just riding the waves maybe for you and the community or just for you and how much of it is is like trying to do tricks on the waves? Like I find in the longboarding community, you know, you're familiar with longboarding, right? Yeah, yeah. Like they purely ride. You know, they ride like if it's not going fast down hills, it's like just like flowing. You know, it doesn't get to crazier and crazier tricks. Uh, you say so. Oh, wait. Have <laughs> oh. you ever tried it? Like, you see them, like, they walk around their board and oh, that stand on cool. the nose and stuff. And you think, like, oh, yeah, they're just, you know, cruising, walking around. But that's so hard. Oh, that sounds exciting. <laughs> I had a longboard for a little bit on this trip until it blew off the roof on the they highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do that at some like perfect longboard spots but wasn't getting very very good at it that's it's crazy. just a different sport it's, that's fair yeah i guess i guess it's a lot about doing for, for me at least doing maneuvers and stuff what doing turns what is what even is that what does that mean to you like what is doing why do you 
why do you do tricks on like and maneuvers and stuff on skateboards and surfboarding like and even snowboarding you know there's um like why is that what draws you to want to do any of that stuff Hmm, good question it's probably like feeling of accomplishing or yeah doing that turn or that trick really nice it Mm -hmm. doing it right that just feels really good when you do a trick um once you've done the trick is it in perfect form the first time you do it no hell no (laughs) (laughs) how motivated sometimes it can be like a lucky shot i do it first time i'll be perfect and then never be able to replicate it (laughs) you never know how motivated are you to improve the tricks you know compared to learning new tricks well that depends like on sometimes it's phases Mm -hmm. phases you go through you just want to learn some new stuff and then you realize oh i've got like all these different weird tricks but i can't even do proper frontside grinds or thank you i can can only i can only like kick turn or do everything backside but i can't even kick turn front side confidently and it's like i need to stop doing all these more difficult tricks one way and learn how to do things front side oh yeah for sure i was at that point as well after like three four years of skating not (laughs) being able to do anything on the front side (laughs) just had to yeah, I put my head down at one point. I just got annoyed by not being able to do anything on the front side. Like uh-huh. every time I hit a pocket front side, I was like, what am I going to do here? I'm just going to push through and find a backside pocket. Yeah, like, exactly. At some point I was like, no, nah, I can't keep going like that. I got to learn them at some point. What's it, what's it like though when you have to, when you're confronting that? Because in my experience, it feels like I have to abandon my ability and start over again. And that can be really hard because it's like, I like to grind on like the on um, lips of ramps and you know coping and it's like well now when i go front side i have to just learn how to kick turn on a ball i can't slash yet i have to build up the ability to like kick turn and all that stuff and it's literally like i just went right back to where i was before and there's part of me that cares about that because for some reason i want to be on the lip but then Mm -hmm. there's another part of me that's like it would just be it's better for me or be more fun because i found with front side at first i'm like it's probably better for my body and all this like intellectual crap right but then yeah, there's to be the, able to do both sides yeah. mm-hmm. but then there's the play part of me where it's like i really like on a front side grind when you could stare at your board grinding that coping like that's that feels cool to me and that for some reason that's enough motivation for me to want to practice my front side grinds and stuff like that oh yeah for sure no but as I said, like it took me a long time to learn them. It's not that I did never try them in between. It's just always like a couple of tries and I'm like, oh, it's kind of frustrating. I'd rather do my other stuff yeah. that I'm good at and learn new stuff. I guess that's what like. And then at some point it was just like after getting frustrated by trying like 10 times, but never really committing. We're like, okay, at some point I was just decided to commit and learn them properly. How attached do art do you get or have you gotten to being good? And like, what does that mean to you to, to be good at like skateboarding or surfing and like your identity too? Yeah. I don't mean good in comparison to other people either. I just mean, you know, when you skate, you're like, you feel confident. You feel like you could like, you could do some stuff, you know, that you're good at it and you're on little, 
world. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like I've been through a bunch of injuries in the last four years and like not comparing myself to others, but that puts you in a situation where you have to compare yourself to yourself mm -hmm. before the injury. And I always had the hardest time, like during an injury, you're just sitting there, you're watching skate videos or something <laughs> and you're like, see new ideas and you're like, okay, when I get back on the board, I want to do this and this new trick. Mm -hmm. And then it's so like, you're looking forward to that moment when you can get back on the board and when it's finally there, you just hop on and just find out that you're absolutely not ready for that new trick and that your level has dropped so much and stuff that used to be natural just doesn't work anymore and yeah like it's so frustrating i was like even had days where i just do like one run in the skate park and was like nah not feeling it today going back home that <laughs> hard emotionally just like, yeah it was yeah. like super frustrating and it's just like try a few times and be like Oh, come on, I can't even do like a backside 50-50. That's what how is I, this? I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> that's how I felt about going frontside. It's just I felt like that kind of yeah. feeling, but low-key because I could always go backside. But when you're injured, you're locked, you're stuck. Oh, until yeah. you're not, you know? Yeah, and I had like so many tricks that I had to relearn a couple of times in the same year. So, Did that teach you anything about like how you view attaining those tricks or... Do you think if all those were taken away again, it would hurt just as much and you would struggle just as much? Hmm. I haven't learned much about that. No, so <laughs> probably I, be struggling again. I had what, a, what it taught me though is, is to be able to say today is not my day. Mm -hmm. I'm going to chill. I'm not, it's feeling, it's not feeling good because that's probably also the days when I usually got injured. Mm -hmm. There was, most of the days when I got like injured skating or snowboarding, there was something mental was also wrong and was m probably like maybe had a fight with my ex-girlfriend or I don't know what was going on, just not feeling that well. Mm -hmm. And that was usually kind of the times when, or yeah, mm -hmm. some of the reasons when you're like, yeah, you, you get going skating and you're like feeling not that good, but you see others have a great session and you want to join the session. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, I'd have that and I just power through that half hour or hour it takes to get warmed up and like be working, like get everything working again. Mm -hmm. And then I'd have a good session, but it's still, it's like in that time where you're just pushing through and not feeling it that much. That's kind of the, the times I feel like were the ones that I got most injured mm -hmm. and that's how I like and so one side is like a good thing that now I can come drop in and not feel it and within two runs I can say mm, it's not my day today mm -hmm. I'm gonna put the skateboard away and come again come back again in a day or two how does that work for you when you put the skateboard away do you have something else that you like to go do that is different or do you just like distance yourself from the desire to skate like do you have an alternative thing to do yeah it was like different I would yeah I would go read the book or play yeah. the guitar or something you play the guitar but it was harder when I was like 
for example like back when you go to the skate park with friends or with your girlfriend and mm-hmm. and you're like done after five minutes and they're like what <laughs> i want to stay like no you- let's go and i don't know go to the bar i don't want to stay here <laughs> you guys ever have bands play at the skate park or anything oh yeah so say you bring your guitar you, just, you just sit there and play your guitar while you chill like, yeah i'll play you guys music it's yeah good finding like alternative things is helpful for me to cope whether it's like i'm hurt or it's rainy or there's just not opportunity there yeah yeah you know, for sure uh, um especially things that were like skill building you know that, that has some skill to it i guess like the guitar um, yeah. and yeah the guitar playing helps me a lot getting through like when i'm in feeling bad kind of like yeah i have like these two things either i do i go skate or something and then i can just put these emotions away Mm -hmm. but after i'm done skating they just come back at me Mm -hmm. but kind of music helps me to to because then you still have these thoughts and you're kind of processing Mm -hmm. them somehow and that kind of helps me to process these bad yeah these bad emotions it's like skateboarding it's like you're looking away from them and you're yeah. distracted but then like music it's like you're you're taking it and you're like transforming it into like expression yeah kind of like, even when you're not talking about it directly, even right? unconsciously somehow somehow it's always helped me you, you, like even i even found that like um have you ever listened to like trap music <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know how like like mumble rap even like yeah, where yeah. it's like you can't really hear what they're saying kind of thing i even found that little like humming like humming can be really soothing and humming can be a way to express your emotions and get through things and it's not because like it has intense meaning but just like moving your you know what i mean moving your body based on how you feel mm-hmm. whether it's high pitch low pitch like it's, it's just like crying but in a way more complex and yeah you know yeah. kind of way i find um that's it's interesting because when you tell people to like you should learn to cope with your feelings or whatever, like all these like words and instructions, it's really hard to like grasp that. You know, it's like almost telling someone explicitly how to do a trick in skateboarding. It's yeah. so much more natural to like experience and try. You know, oh, like, yeah, for sure. Music, maybe even art too. I guess like you know ways where yeah. you have thoughts and you're just like moving your body as a response to those thoughts and feelings right like not a trick in mind you're just like drawing or you're making music it's like a, a way without instructions that like you intuitively can express yourself i think about that with my son because i over explain everything <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like i have the answers and it's just like oh yeah i'm the same <laughs> you don't want to hear any of that the more i explain the less he wants to listen you know and yeah. like it's almost like you want to it's like a movie it's like if I were like if life were a movie, I tell you exactly how the movie's gonna go while we're watching it. That's so annoying, and it's yeah. like I would rather give him. I want to instruct him, but it's, I find it helpful to give him experiences so he can have all of that. You know, like so yeah, yeah. learning to to play music, learning to like skateboarding gives him confidence and risk management, all these things, right? And like music or art is a way that he can like express himself emotionally and it's kind of contained within that environment you know with a little direction i suppose yeah yeah like yeah and um what are your motivations to to do tricks on a skateboard like you said you were watching like you'd watch videos and you'd see people do tricks is that where the seed gets planted that makes you want to do things oh yeah for sure sometimes i'll have some weird ideas of my own to play around with do you but, do you find it do you do it because 
for your own self-satisfaction? Like, or do you do it because you can share what you've done with others and be celebrated by others? Yeah. I guess that's also part of it. Like, especially when I like, I like it when there's a good session going on. There's a few good skaters around. That's that's kind of what gets me, gets me hyped to show my best as well. And if they're mm -hmm. doing good, I want to do good as well mm -hmm. for sure. That's definitely part of it. But yeah, sometimes, especially now on the trip, sometimes you're just skating by yourself because there's no one else around. Mm -hmm. Then it's it's more about yeah, just doing them for yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like uh, just like how everyone would feel like achieving a goal, right? Yeah, like achieving yeah. a goal feels good. Yeah, you come to a new skate park, look at it, like what could I do? Mm -hmm. Seeing different things and, and then you want to try and get them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you, um, do you enjoy though, like achieving career goals the same way you would enjoy trying to achieve maneuver goals? <laughs> <laughs> Good questions, actually. <laughs> not really that much. Yeah, so, so it's not just goals, <laughs> it's, it's like a certain... Yeah, like, I don't know, my my career, my, I did my studies, and for me it's a powerful tool to, to uh, live the life I want to live, because obviously you need money, and mm -hmm. it, I've been lucky enough, thanks to Corona and some other circumstances, to That's find this... <laughs> <laughs> find this remote job so I can work from abroad and make money while I'm traveling but my focus is more on the traveling the surfing skating mm -hmm. and especially now uh, also in building skate parks and in one putting my energy into wonders around the world mm -hmm. trying to set us up for for fundraising and stuff like in Switzerland doing like some organizational work get like the tax deductible status oh, and stuff cool. trying to set this all up so we could get better fundraising opportunities and that's kind of all new to me but mm -hmm. you learn it's something exciting, from though. it and yeah yeah a lot of paperwork and then also organizing the projects and uh disc stuff gives me like way more as well like I get the most satisfaction out of, of my sports and traveling and also out of these wonders projects, whereas I working some, but not really mm -hmm. that much. It's really more like, I feel more like here I'm leaving behind a skate park for some kids in a town somewhere in wherever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's just, so cool to see like the smiles on the faces of these kids when when they get their skateboard at the end of the project and oh, you ride through the park that's cool that's that's something like no amount of money could ever pay for this kind of experiences is way better well, and i feel kind of more with with wonders that i like leave behind something mm-hmm or it's like a legacy or something or just do something good yeah whereas in my job my career you know i'll be fixing the last 10 percent or 20 percent of damage in some swiss sewers where we invest a lot of money and like 
could could have taken that money and I don't know invested in sewers in El Salvador or wherever. Yeah, <laughs> it could exactly. have made a lot bigger difference. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really feel like I'm leaving something behind. It's all you know, some sewers underground. No one will ever, no one will ever look at them. Mm -hmm. That's what happens when you get really far along in development. And like with a country or yeah. skill set, I think too. Yeah. Because the more the more and more you do, the 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 less and less you get back. You know what I mean? Like the, if you yeah, become yeah, the, really the good 80, at skating, 20, uh -huh. eighty percent, twenty percent principle. Yeah. For sure. And that's like something that I wrestle with a lot too. And it's like the law of diminishing returns. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, but it's exciting that you're able to find these opportunities and balance all of this. Would you, would you just do the skate park projects if that could be your only profession? If that like, I mean, if I could just do only wonders projects all around the world mm -hmm. for sure. But I don't see myself like working in a skate park construction company for money. Mm hmm. Is it I don't of know. I just, I just feel it would change something to it if once uh, you start doing it for money. Mm -hmm. I know now I'm doing it for, for meeting up with the crew again and and just having a good time for a whole month. And we're all working hard, but mm -hmm. then we can give something to the kids. That's cool. That's kind of the main motivations to do it. And once you start doing it for money, I'm not sure if it would be the same still. Mm -hmm. Have you had anything where that's changed for you when you started doing something for money? Mm, not really. I haven't done any of my hobbies for money mm -hmm. so far. I haven't managed to get that. But there's like a few different mindsets with not necessarily with like helping work, yeah. but like with hobbies where it's like once it becomes a job, like it's not fun anymore. And you have other people though where it's like, well, no, they want to make their hobbies, their, their work, their life's work, you know? And it's interesting because you fall right in the middle of that. You do a little bit of both. You, you know, some of it is your work, but like, it's, you know, not your, your way to make money or make a living, no. but like you work for it, you know, oh, you're yeah. doing all this hard work and sacrificing your time and your energy to be able to, um, make things for other people, you know, and help get things made for other people. Yeah. And that's, it's pretty interesting because like we talked about before, like traveling all the time could be just as suffer or just as much suffering as never traveling at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not always uh, sunsets and beaches and <laughs> good waves and sunny weather. <laughs> just this last month, I've just been <laughs> struggling and like... You know, came from Central America, traveled all through Central America where you're like some kind of the main attraction in town when you roll up with your camper. And oh, really? You stay at the, straight at the beach. There's just people like talk to you or stuff like oh, that? Oh, yeah, like, they come and say like, whoa, what is this car? And like, never seen seen one like this before. And and then all... you can stay like straight on the beach next to a restaurant. They'll let you they use care. their restroom. Maybe you eat there some tacos once and they'll be cool with it. Do you have to like ask, talk to people and get permission or is it just something that's unspoken? Some spots. No, if, if they're, if it's like a, an establishment, a restaurant or something, you go talk to them. Sometimes they want a few bucks, but wow. like, it's, yeah, it's just not comparable. Like once we pass the border to, to the U S mm -hmm. it's just like, 
there's signs everywhere can't stay here overnight can't do this can't do that you could like all the beaches are off limits anyway so you end up in some residential area with all your curtains closed <laughs> like, no light going out you feel like you're unwanted kind yeah, of yeah people look at you to get back at what your podcast originally was about like people look at you like oh there's another homeless guy in his camper kind uh -huh. of that style because there are homeless people that unfortunately have to live in their campers some choose to do it some, yeah some don't have a choice i've met people camp next to some woman her, her house burnt down and she was just like yeah Whoa. since then i have to live in this thing for me it's like i get to live in this thing so yeah. cool but for her it's like i have to live in this thing because my house burned down oh, didn't have insurance wow. but yeah you kind of you fall right in between all those people and like once you start to talk to people obviously they see oh yeah you're a traveler super cool and mm -hmm. like people like you and skaters and surfers they, they have a different different way of looking at it but like the general populace they see you cruise by and they're like oh another one of these homeless guys yeah kind of hiding and it's just and then and then all that and then I had problems with the registration of my car. Oh, I drove geez. all the way up to Canada. I thought I could solve it there, but I couldn't. When did you decide to drive all the way to Canada? Was that before you got in the U.S. for all of this, or was that while you were in the U.S.? Um, I was, like, my first option was trying to import my car into the U.S., and that didn't work. So I was like, oh, shit. So I got to go up to Canada to get it in my name You're up there. Drive away across a whole country to go to another country. <laughs> well, yeah, I drove in like five days from San Francisco to That's Revelstoke. Crazy. Don't ask me why I went all the way up there. I could have <laughs> just gone to Vancouver. <laughs> but I knew someone there who might have been able to help me with the car. Uh -huh. But I didn't end up having time at the mechanic shop for like two weeks. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh. It's like minus 10 degrees at night and then dang did just, you have good heating or anything inside of the camper yeah, very basic <laughs> just going through four of these little coleman gas bottles a night oh, oh my <laughs> gosh constantly trying to keep warm mm -hmm. and everything's like wet in the morning all the windows are super humid, wet, <laughs> super humid. Uh -huh. it's like yeah i can survive it was a nice experience to see if i could live like that uh -huh. for, for a while but definitely not the preferable way <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> definitely prefer prefer to go back down to to mexico and stay there so yeah that was my second attempt to get the car in my name and now that failed now the only way to get the vehicle in my name is to buy a new one. <laughs> oh my god i can gosh. at least take the camper off and use that just and need to get a new truck yeah but if I would have known that that's my only option, oh. I could have just stayed down in California. Yeah. Okay. You could have just, yeah, it would have been yeah. much warmer in California. Yeah, right and now. I wouldn't have had to go up all the way and spend like $1,000 and then diesel and all these days endlessly on the road. But Is it, um, if you don't mind, if, is it with your, with your job financially or your finances really tight? Or do you have finances to spare for that kind of stuff? What's that like? <laughs> If I'm down in Central America and moving at like a easy pace, then yeah, mm -hmm. then it's fine. But definitely this just in one month in the US, I spend about twice what I, my salary is. I, I have some savings. Mm -hmm. I don't really want to tap into them, but yeah, just here having to drive such distances and, and everything being more expensive, just couldn't get around spending more money than what I'm 
earning yeah. right now. So your cost of living would have been, um, you would have went in the negative if you were to stay here, essentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. I, I, can, I can do it for a few months, but after that, I have to go back down into Mexico again, where I want to go. Oh, I bet you want to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to get this stuff sorted out with my car. Like here, my second day or something, got back, got my car back from storage and just radiator started leaking into the passenger seat <laughs> foot area and just this yellow Jesus. nuclear looking liquid they're running down I'm like what the fuck so oh God. <laughs> had to go to a mechanic and you know if this would have happened a few miles earlier when the car was still in mexico it would have been a thing of a hundred bucks yeah but here it cost me 1400 bucks oh, like, oh shit that's like what that's already half my my budget for the month gone <laughs> that's expensive that's yeah. a big difference man yeah wow so it's like 10 times more for mechanic costs mm -hmm. <laughs> so i'm just hoping that my car doesn't break anymore until i'm back in mexico yeah, exactly <laughs> oh that's crazy yeah. Yeah, the um, the cost of living that's it seemed very interesting because I haven't experienced it, but I heard and in some other countries too, it could be really cheap to to go and that travel isn't that expensive. It's just getting there that can be kind of expensive. Yeah, yeah. In that usually way. the flights to get there are a couple hundred bucks, but once you're there, I think the most expensive on on this trip or while I was still in Central America was just the fuel because mm -hmm. it's quite a big truck and. And yeah, at some points you just have to keep moving because your visas are running out. Mm -hmm. You can't stay much longer. Is, so you make a few long drives. But usually I try to just not move at all during the week, only drive on the weekends. And That's what I heard about one of my friends. He he had a van and they were all stoked on the van life because they get a, you know, him and his girlfriend, she does filming. So she has to fly mm -hmm. away and work for months at a time and come back. But they're like, we got to travel. And they just saw all, all upside, no downside. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, like if I don't have an unlimited budget, that means I can't move every day. Because if I'm moving every day, my cost of living goes up because I got to pay gas. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it can be pretty big with a, a van or a truck because gas yeah, is yeah, yeah. expensive. Like, yeah, with my lifestyle anyway, with surfing, it's usually good to stay at a spot for longer or skating as well. It's the same thing. If you could just go there for a few hours to a skate park, you definitely can't enjoy it as much as if you, like, let's say, stay there for three, four days. Wait, what? Like, you would park at a skate park and be there for three or four days? If it's a good skate park, for sure. How much of that time would you skate? Oh, you know, I have my work during yeah. the week, so I work like four hours a day and then have a session in the afternoon and... That's you know, cool. do that for a few days. You get to know the skate park until you're done with it. And mm -hmm. then you move on rather as opposed to just coming there, have like one session and be gone already. And you're like, damn, I, I wasn't able to get that trick or this trick. Yeah. And when you stay for a few more days, you can you can get to know the skate park a lot better. And, and it's even more important with, with surfing. Mm -hmm. It's once I like getting to know the wave, but also like allowing enough time to get maybe a day with good conditions because mm -hmm. it always changes the more time you spend at one spot the more chances you have to get it good it's probably true for life itself man. yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> do you like did that were you surprised that you could just stay so engaged and entertain and find a wealth of experience and just like 
little spots. Cause that's like, I didn't realize that there could be so much fun and entertainment and like, you know, I don't know, like a, like a few thousand, like a thousand square feet. Like I could spend like hours and hours in a thousand square feet skate park or whatever. And I could just be learning endlessly and think that like an hour is not even enough. Right. It's just a small amount of time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And now I look at it. I, I never thought, I thought someone would be crazy. How can you spend hours and hours at a skate park and still have so much stuff left undone? And now I'm like, I could spend a whole lifetime. You oh know? yeah, for sure. Because then you get better and then suddenly you can do the same tricks on higher transitions. And then suddenly you get even better. You can do new tri your new tricks on, <laughs> on there. And oh, it's like constantly, there's always the next next trick you can learn what yeah. happened though when you were traveling that one time and surfing um and you were like your brain was wanting more stimulation and you started studying were you when you were committing all that time to surfing and skating and you, you had all that free time was there a point where you were just getting bored or was it just the lack of certain stimulation yeah it, i think it was a mix of both because like you know, the surf was usually good in the mornings and mm -hmm. maybe again at sunset for an hour or so. And then from like, I don't know, I'd surf from whenever the sun came up in Peru, six, seven o'clock till 10, maybe have your breakfast and, and then it's 12 o'clock and then it won't get good until four. So you've got like four hours uh, where you know what you, what you get like, yeah. <laughs> And if you just spent those four hours reading your book, <laughs> like, yeah, sometimes when you run out of good books or whatever. And, mm -hmm. and yeah, and then, it, yeah, it was on one side kind of being a little bored, but on the other side as well, like wanting to do something mm -hmm. like I was feeling like, oh, I did these six years of, of studying at university and now I'm not using it at all like it's the same i was feeling when i was doing construction work it's just like okay maybe because when i'm when i was working in the office i was like i want to go outside i want to do some stuff outside every now and then mm -hmm. because only being in the office sucks but then only being outside even when it's raining and snowing and mm -hmm. your feet are wet and you still have to keep working and feel like the soles of your feet are falling off <laughs> and it's like okay maybe being outside all the time isn't the thing either so yeah when it just then i was like what if i could find like a healthy balance you know mm -hmm. of, of doing what i love doing my sports but being able to make my make money and, and use my degree as well mm -hmm. so this all these years weren't for nothing yeah because you spent quite a bit of your life on those skills right and just because you don't do them anymore it doesn't mean that those skills are gone they're still inside of you so yeah, putting them yeah. to use it's right that's like how i feel with skateboarding got me really excited because i spent this time with fitness and trying to be athletic you know and strong yeah, yeah. and it's like skateboarding gave me a way to have fun and put that to use because i was never like look at me i'm strong you know or like look at this cool trick i could do with my body you know yeah, like, yeah it was just fun it was fun to do yoga stretching but like skateboarding was a way to like apply that yoga and apply yeah, that, use fitness that physical to, strength and mobility to for something for something yeah and then i sure. even find it when it comes to helping people too is really gratifying you know i have like a skill set that i built 
and I can use it to either teach you or I can use it to help you move something you know that you couldn't before like it's very gratifying when you can like be of service and offer your expertise oh um, yeah that's how I teach like with kids, a lot of people like my kids not very confident. And it's just like, well, what kind of do they do they have a skill set that is relevant to their peers? It's like when you, if when you have a skill set that's relevant to the people around you, something you could share and people want to actually like know about, you know, um, at least one person, then you like you you have confidence because you know something and people want to know it and you can share it, you know. And that's yeah, like yeah. I've built so much of my character through experiences. Character was always there. But the experiences yeah. showed me what was always there, you know? Do you feel like you your character has grown from surfing and skateboarding, or do you just feel like it's something you do for fun? Uh, definitely maybe more through skateboarding than surfing. Really? Surfing... Yeah, surfing is kind of a selfish sport. <laughs> How is it selfish? Because you don't like... It's just a competition for waves all the time. Like I've heard cause, that. Because there's, there's only so many waves coming through every hour. And mm -hmm. in some spots, there's a lot of people. So you have the competition. Yeah. And I mean, trying to, to share and give people <sighs> who are like, don't surf as good as you some waves. That would be as well, but it's it's hard not to like at that moment when you know he's probably gonna fall when he pedals into it or something <laughs> to not just go yourself because you'd be sitting in priority position, but they don't want to go there because it's like in front of the rocks or something. That's I never thought so much of that as how like taking turns and negotiating but, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it kind of teaches you to balance that out, like your craving of of getting the best waves of the day yeah. versus giving Dude, the others a shot as well i, I need to surf because you see i have a problem and it's <laughs> like my problem is is not is the other one it's that like whenever there's a line you know and like people yeah i like step away into the shadow <clears throat> and i have a hard time taking my turn because yeah. i don't want to like i don't know i don't want to displace people i feel like mm -hmm. people are watching me i feel super awkward you know yeah and like surfing I've experienced this through other things, but surfing sounds like it's an opportunity for me to face that because I want to surf. And the only way I'm going to ride a wave is if I wait in line yeah, and if I get take into space. the rotation and, and take your space. Yeah. Because <laughs> if I don't, people might yeah, take then my turn. And, so, yeah. Some yeah. people surfing better might think, oh, he's not committing and mm -hmm. then they'll take the wave. So that's what I need because, you know, skateboarding, what that's taught me and rock climbing too, yeah. is like, I always would have a thing of a commitment issue. Like, hey, Will, where do you want to go eat? I don't know. Wherever you want to go eat. Hey, what do you want to do today? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, and it like, it boiled down to like, like if, <clears throat> if I wanted, if I saw a girl, right? I thought she was beautiful. I loved her character. For me to be like, I'm going to go up and talk to you and I'm going to introduce myself you know, and I'm going to be friendly. Right. Yeah. Like for me to, to do that and to commit to that, like, dude, I'd be scared. What if, what if <laughs> oh, they don't yeah. like me, all this <laughs> stuff. And when I skate and when I go rock climbing, I can't do the thing. And I want to do it real bad. I want to, you know, I want to do the trick. I want to ride on the ramp when I, I couldn't ride on ramps. And the thought of just going up transition was so scary. I didn't want to fall or any of this stuff, yeah. but I just would show up and I'd ride like, like a few inches up the ramp, you know, and I just wanted to get to the lip so bad. And just eventually I just pushed myself into it and I learned to commit a little more. Yeah. And I like to think maybe it doesn't, 
it's helped me with like talking to people. It's helped me committing on other things in my life, you know, cause I'm such a pansy about commitment, man. It's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> like, and it, you know, I don't even think that like, it's obvious when I go do something. Cause we'll go like, I'll go skateboard with someone or I'll go rock climb. And I'm usually, I'm probably the one who's like worried I'm going to die or worried I'm going to get hurt and not pushing myself really hard. Right. But I also recognize that I do bring strengths to the table. Yeah. That, that oppose those things, you know, is that I might be a little more cautious and aware of like what could go wrong. And so I have a plan, you know, not with skateboarding, but with like rock climbing and stuff like that. Um, I used to just think that I was broken, you know, like, cause that I had those problems. I felt really anxious around people and taking space. Yeah. And I just realized that I was really good at helping other people mm -hmm. and being aware of what people needed in the context. Like if it was tense, if something was going on that you had to really observe to see, mm -hmm. but I was hard at observing myself and what I needed and like skateboarding mm -hmm. and rock climbing kind of forces me into that, you know? And yeah. I appreciate that because I think I'm too scared to just do that. <laughs> you know, skateboarding is so fun that I, I want to do it because I just want to do the trick so bad, man. Yeah. You know? And like, even when I have people around me and I feel nervous because they're like better than me or, or something like that. Like, I don't even care because I'm like, dude, it's just skateboarding. It's fun. Like, you're here to have fun. And that's so easy to click for me in my head. But if I was in a social situation and we didn't have a shared discipline, yeah. it would be a lot harder for me to get to that conclusion back in the day because I didn't have a blueprint. Skateboarding and rock climbing through practice and experience gave me a blueprint for my whole life, you know? And I appreciate that. Yeah, for sure. I, think. I see... Looking at it, I see also these similarities between rock climbing and skateboarding. Mm -hmm. Whereas like one thing about skateboarding, I like to say like it teaches you to get back up when you fall. Mm -hmm. But it's the same thing with rock climbing. I think like you 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 don't make it to the top, you slip, you fall, you go and try again. Mm -hmm. And again and again until you make it. And it's the same same thing that you can project onto life as from skateboarding. And the failure from in rock climbing or skateboarding, it should not be underestimated because it, there is real consequences to failure, For but sure. there's real consequences to not trying at all. So how do you balance that? You know, I watched <laughs> you when you're doing, you do like these, like you're doing these sick, like transfers out of the bowl. And then you're trying to like, like, I don't know, foot plant into a tail stall you know, on the, like transfer onto another lip in the bowl. And yeah. then you go back in and like, oh, for me, like flying up over and back into a bowl is like way beyond my comfort level. But as I've practiced more and more, I realize that my fear softens and softens and my confidence in bailing and controlling this consequential experience mm -hmm. grows. My confidence grows and my fear softens. And I always thought that fear was bad, that like I was just an afraid person. And I've realized that like fear is the thing that keeps me alive. Oh, yeah. And, and you, you got to uh, learn to work with your fears. That was it. I think it's the same in skateboarding, but it got talked about a lot. I used to do for a few years when it was new, I used to do parkour. Oh, really? <clears throat> and there it's like you're constantly confronting with your fears, like, for example, you want to jump from in a you're in a high place and you're afraid of jumping from one wall to the other. And you're 
got to like take that fear apart. Is it, why am I afraid? Like, am I afraid because of the distance mm -hmm. or is it the height? Like, what if this was just two curbs with like only a foot high and they were the same distance? Would I do it? Oh. And then if the answer is yes, then you're just like, okay, so my fear is irrational. It's just because it's high up, but I know I'm going to make that jump. So there's no problem. But if it's because you're not comfortable with the distance, then you should not or then you should take that fear serious. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's the same with skateboarding, like some tricks you're just afraid or yeah, you you, can, you can't commit 100%, won't make it. Like you, you gotta kind of figure out like, why am I afraid? Like, is, am I afraid because mm -hmm. it's very likely that I'll fail or just because the consequences might be high, but I'll probably not fail at all. So when you, when you say take your fear seriously and you realize that the that you in that dichotomy you put for parkour whether it's the likely you're afraid of the likelihood of failure or you're afraid of the consequence of failure if you're afraid of the likelihood of failure and then you take your fear seriously what does that look like for you do you just not do the, the no move? then you don't do it then you're okay you, mm -hmm. you got to practice more until you feel comfortable with that so that, that kind of jump. So, so that's like a, a universal process in these like in skateboarding, parkour and like life is, is if you're afraid to do something and you find out it's because the likelihood of failure is high and there's consequences to the failure. Exactly. You don't just turn away from it. You, no, you just say it's not for me today, but I go back and practice until I get better, until I can do it. What is what does practicing look like, though? Is practicing trying to jump that distance or do you do something else to get further and further and further? Yeah, I guess in, in parkour, for example, it would be practicing. You could just draw two lines on the floor and mm -hmm. practice there within the same distance until you feel comfortable with it. And then, yeah, I guess in, in skateboarding, it would be trying the same trick on a, on a lower transition. Mm -hmm. It's not as high and scary until you master it there and then take it back to that higher transition. Mm -hmm. That's kind of... It's an analogy. So you, yeah. Do you ever can you do the trick because it's the trick is too hard or can you do it because it's too high up? <laughs> like because the tranny is higher than what you usually do it on. Do you feel like your um, sometimes your fear is out of touch with reality? Your your fear of failure, right? <clears throat> Not the likelihood you'll be successful, but your fear of failure. Let's say like the tranny is too high, right? Um, sometimes people think that they'll like get severely hurt because it's really tall. Mm -hmm. But I found that with the right technique of bailing, right, or set of techniques, that you could like mitigate the consequence for the risk of injury by learning how to bail in a ramp. And then a big ramp might be even a little safer or have less likelihood of, um, of a high amount of injury. Yeah. If you know how to slide down the ramp, right? Because if you have like a little quarter pipe, you're just going to hit the f the flat ground. But if you're like in this, you know, eight foot ramp, you have that big slide to to go down. Yeah, if if you can, <laughs> if you have the technique to that, or if you're riding with knee pads and you can just slide down on your knees, mm -hmm. of course. Because like, but, I, I mean, I've I've had it just last week where <laughs> where I was trying to go over a doorway which was pretty high and. <laughs> and just jumped off and 
jump pretty much straight into the flat. Like I managed to redirect myself pretty well forward and it was just sliding over the floor, but mm -hmm. still it was quite an impact oh. to come down from like seven foot straight into the flat and mm -hmm. and yeah, <laughs> even yeah. And in, in some things with some things there's like uh fixed consequences to your failure, right? Like you're gonna like if you um, were to jump on like spikes, right? <laughs> like you're going to get impaled. Oh, yeah. like, there's nothing you're going to change about that. But some things like, um, in rock climbing, I've seen this where you're on a rope, right? And you're overexposure and you're at like a 400 foot drop. Yeah. Right? And you're looking at all the air and you're like, if I slip right here, I'm going to die. But that's delusional because you're, you're on a rope. Tied on the rope. Yeah. And so you, so I spend a lot of my experiences trying to condition myself what I genu what genuinely is something to be afraid of mm -hmm. and things that I shouldn't be afraid of, right? Because there's no actual... The, there's no actual the, likelihood that something will happen. But in everyday life, some things you get. Af I find I get afraid of and I shouldn't be afraid of that. You know, there's the likelihood isn't very high or the consequence isn't very high. Shit. Other things I feel overconfident and I'm like, nothing will go bad. You know, I could be reckless here and I'll be fine. Yeah. And I'm being really over i'm not being very objective about yeah, my yeah, analysis yeah. and like skateboarding's fun because like even if you're the one who can send it getting mm -hmm. injured means you can't skate yeah so like over committing is a problem just like under committing in, yeah, in some sure. sense you know and like to each their own but depending on what your values are like it could be a way to continue to condition yourself to find out what like appropriate risk is and appropriate yeah. commitment is you know and like but there's like you said some things in skateboarding where the consequence the consequence is unavoidable the the risk though is manageable like you can't it's just no fall like like you're on a doorway or something like that right oh yeah like you have tricks and maneuvers and places you ride that are like that it's like no fall terrain or else it's going to be real bad. Probably. I don't think so. Or do you even think about that? I, I don't know. Like, like I'd be doing the, like when you did the loop, I'd be like thinking about Tony Hawk when he like fell upside down and he like spiked the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that one was scary at first until i first tried it and, and took my first slam which wasn't bad at all <laughs> oh that was... like it didn't fall on my head or anything when it once you manage to just make it around properly and you figure out oh, it's just like a normal fall but yeah for sure that's cool the loops in the beginning are like oh my god i'm going upside down there's a slight chance that it might fall on my head, but mm -hmm. usually you don't. No, that's cool. How but like, it... it takes it takes a few tries to mm -hmm. to find out that you don't. But <laughs> do you ever watch Jackass? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a there's a you know Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. There's a one scene where he's like uh, dropping it on a vert ramp, mm -hmm. and he slams into the flat, and it's really funny because <laughs> of just the whole situation. He doesn't yeah. even make it at all. He just <laughs> nose dives right into the flat. And it's just like, and then another one where they, he, they go down, try to go down like a rail yeah. on stairs and he just eats it so hard. But it's so funny with them because that's, that's actually my experience, not how it is. 
and it might not just be for might just be for me but like dropping in scary you know and like on a on a freaking vert ramp and never oh, dropping yeah. in before never riding that's really scary it wouldn't make for good content if you're like i have to drop in on smaller trannies and get higher and higher and then they're like we're gonna send the vert it would look way different you know oh, yeah, you're not but- nose diving to the flat it's like because <laughs> <laughs> i used to think that that skateboarding was hard well it is but like hard like gnarly for that i was like chance of injury is so high but when i see people who've like like Ollie, like I used to think, like Ollie is like the first trick you learn, and I learned in pursuit of trying to learn how to Ollie that yeah. like riding around on the board is way more is it the fundamental skill, not Ollie. Oh yeah, and you spend months riding around on a board before you try to Ollie, or that's a good idea, anyways. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because I would get frustrated because it's just like I was riding on the board and I was so scared I'm gonna fall off at any moment, and I'm trying to Ollie at the same time. It's like. When I was able to break that down and just ride. Yeah. And it's like, now I can do hippie jumps. I can jump on and, you know, up and down on the board without fear of eating it, you know? And that kind of approach, I thought that was normal, like to incrementally approach skateboarding. Yeah. yeah. But then I talk to people like who see me drop in on a bowl and ride the bowl or whatever. And I don't even do it that great. It's like kind of amateur, but they, um, they'll be like, whoa i wish i could do that and i'm like no you you definitely can do this like it'll take work but you could drop in on the bowl and ride this and it's not like you're not white knuckling afraid you're just gonna slam at any moment and they're like well like i can't even ride on the flat and i'm like yeah neither could i and they're like i just they just don't believe me and it's (laughs) like like you and i are the same man like yeah yeah, yeah. all the stuff's inside of you it just takes so much practice and commitment you know i've spent like Five days a week for the past like year and a half, um, like at least like half hour to an hour a day, yeah. Just being on a skateboard, you know, like it took a long time just to be able to for me to be able to drop in. Probably longer for the most, but yeah, it does. It's worth it, you know. It's Definitely. fun in that sense, and that's what I had with like exercise too, because people often want to get strong and then they like they don't commit fully to it you know they'll do an exercise program for a few months and just drop out and they're like i can't like it's a genetic thing they make all these excuses why like, people are flexible or strong and it's like no like consistent practice will change your whole life oh for sure like, I, that'd be the same though with <laughs> like a gym environment or something <laughs> and never follow that stuff through it's truthfully it is it what takes I mean? discipline consistently yeah. like skateboarding it does not take no, that does discipline not really take discipline but so my culture so much fun in cultures though that I'm around like I don't know if this is the same for you like working class culture I guess um, in United States or at least on the West Coast like there's a lot of people who um, they'll buy their like they'll experience pleasure through commodities mm-hmm. so like it's a party or it's a movie you know drinking things like that which i'm not anti any of that but that's like the whole experience oh like you buy your pleasure in Mm -hmm. a way and it's like with those kinds of things you usually um it's usually instantaneous and then after the fact there's a come down you know yeah you get hit your low but like with these kinds of experience skateboarding and like you know martial arts probably painting things you know not just sports there's like like these skill orientated things it's like there's not a payoff to begin with at all. It's actually a lot of hard work and it kind of sucks. But then (laughs) after, after you put in that work, it feels so deeply rewarding. 
Oh, <laughs> for sure. I'd give up my whole life for some of these things, you know? And like, I don't hear, like, I've only, not a lot of adults in my culture could relate to me. The only ones that can are like super entrenched in skateboarding or martial arts. But like people I meet in like a workplace or grocery yeah. store, it's not like. I kind of feel like first I was kind of a little more close minded. Mm -hmm. I felt like I could only get along with other skaters, surfers or whatever. People that do the same things as me. But then at some point I found out like I connect as well with people that have like completely different hobbies. But just like people that are passionate about something yeah because like I, for example i had a roommate he was big into fly fishing like for me fishing is like nothing <laughs> i would do usually mm -hmm. and you know i would sit there and i watch my surf movies on the big tv in the living room when i got home from work and then in the winter sitting there watch a few surf movies at, in the evening and then he started watching them with me and he was like, oh yeah, I can totally relate. Like that, that looks, oh yeah. I, I mean, I'm not a surfer, but I can relate how you're, why you find that cool. And hmm. then I was like, you know what? Let's try Put on a fly fishing video. <laughs> you gotta oh, watch yeah. that with you. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we were like just taking turns of me showing him a good surf flick and him showing me good fly fishing video. That's cool. And like with him there, like him getting passionate about you, do you see that bro? And I'm like, Oh yeah! Oh yeah! True. Now that you're saying it, it was like something more special than the ones before. But without <gasps> him being there, just go right no idea. Like some guy throwing his line a hundred times. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it must look the same to him when I watch a surf movie. Like this guy doing turns a hundred times over. They'll look the same. Mm -hmm. You will point out those little details. When, right? Yeah. Once you get into those little details, it gets uh, way more interesting. Yeah, that's, and you have like a sense of meaning to it in that yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, that's how like dancing's become that way. I've watched people like do dance moves, and as I've gotten to do yoga and exercise, yeah. I just find it so impressive because I'm like, the body does not move that way easily at all. Or I'm like, <laughs> is that even possible? <laughs> or like, there's like one thing where you do a one arm handstand, and then mm -hmm. you, um, you can hold yourself up with one hand and spread your legs like that. He yeah. goes from a one arm handstand without his hand leaving the ground transitions all the way to that and like oh, to shit. some people they're just like oh that looks you know hard but like it is insane because you put yourself on one end range of motion and then on the other end and control it all one arm the oh, whole yeah. way and it's like that take people tens of years to do that you know and like i'm just like nerding out but you i know from an outside point of view it just looks like nonsense you know what i mean it doesn't it's hard to get it yeah, yeah, yeah. until you you get into it um, what's it like when skate parks are introduced into the community, um, for wonders around the world? Like, cause you get to see people who've never had a skate park before and never had those kinds of opportunities. And now it's just like, it's all there. Like, how does that change the community or affect the kiddos or people? I mean, like from an outside perspective, mm -hmm. you see, like we came, we went there, built that mini ram, came back the next year and. And we already saw like some little kids coming during the day with their beat down skateboards, skating wow. it. And then once we built the whole park, like I kept seeing stories and videos on Instagram and stuff. Oh. And just like, I don't know, like 20, 30 kids each night skating there. Whoa. <laughs> and like a really cool story I heard from a girl that I met in Nicaragua somewhere. 
she was in the town in Puerto Engabao where we built the skate park mm-hmm. just before coming to Nicaragua. And she was like, oh, you know, I learned I learned skateboarding there in, in your, your bowl. I learned it from this little girl. What was her name? I don't remember, Emily or something. Um, she was... <coughs> She was like asking her like she saw this little girl. She she was herself with like some some weird sneakers that you couldn't skate in or something. Mm-hmm. She felt like yeah I can't skate because I have the wrong shoes. <laughs> she sees those little ten year old girls flying through the bowls on on Crocs. <laughs> what? And then she was like oh, maybe there's no excuse. And then. She started talking to that little girl. Mm-hmm. Girl was like telling her how good she serves, and she was like, "Yeah, yeah, but I love the way you skate. Like you're so good. Like how long have you been skating?" The girl was like, "Every day." Like what? Every day? <laughs> like since when? <laughs> yeah, you know there was these gringos that just showed up in town and brought all these tools and just started pouring concrete. They just started building a skate park, <laughs> and. When they were done, they just gave me a skateboard. And since then, I've been skating every day. Oh, my God. <laughs> and she was like, and you know what I like about it most? Like, finally, I have something to do during my day. And Aww. it doesn't matter that I'm a girl. Oh, dude. It was so nice. It's so cool to hear. Like, That's so cool. Wow. Because in these places, I don't know, like, even the first year we were there, like, there was two girls, like, they were pretty like protected by their father he would bring them in the morning pick them up again in the Mm -hmm. afternoon but they were helping us every day on the site and wow and then later on people told us like hey these two girls we usually don't see them in town they're usually just you know stuck in the house with helping out their mother all day with housework wow and an outlet yeah and it's like so nice to see that finally or Suddenly, through skateboarding, these girls get to escape that that environment, this old school. <laughs> yeah, traditional kind of environment. Traditional kind of environment and have a place where they can freely express themselves. Because wow. yeah, the skateboarding, the thing I find is, is it's super unstructured. <laughs> right? Like there's no, because like in martial, coming from a martial arts background, there's like, you follow, you follow the instructions, you know, and you try yeah. to get good at following the instructions so that you could perform the thing, you know, the, 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 so you could perform the moves, you mm-hmm. know, well, and in like skateboarding, there isn't even like a sequence. Like you just, whatever you want to, there's, there's no format. Like I even look online and it's like that no one has like a, a system of oh, skateboarding, no. you know, they explain tricks, but they don't say like, learn this trick and then this trick and you have to ride, you know, go do a kick turn for 20 minutes and then do, yeah. <laughs> do a grind for 15. Like, uh, uh-uh. no, it's, you, you do whatever you feel like. And, and people are good. Like it's like, and yeah, people can be good in, in very, very different ways. I guess within martial arts, Sure, you have, probably have your dif- differences. One is good with his feet, another is good with his fists or whatever. Mm-hmm. But still, with like in skateboarding, you got so many styles. Someone can be really good at, at in in transition, and but can't even do an ollie in in street or the other way around. They're really good at street, do all the flip tricks, but mm-hmm. don't, don't know how to drop into a bowl. 
And that's where I've even met people too, where it's like, I met people who can do these sick, like just skate street, do all these drops and stuff like that. And I'm just like, Hey, you could tray flip like a, you know, a five stair. And I'm like, I can't even tray flip. That's insane. That's so cool. And I'm someone who struggles in the past less so these days of comparing myself to other people. Right. Yeah. And skateboarding, it's great. Cause it's just like that person who's able to do all that stuff. They're like, I haven't even, I don't even can't even drop in. And they're like telling they're teaching their friends how to pump, but they like can do like years worth of skills in street skating. And I'm like, what? This is crazy. Cause there's no way to like, it's hard to get in that comparison mode and that like, how can I, be like everyone else or be better than them oh yeah for sure and it's not just like it's even within transition skating some people can do like long grinds another one is good at airs someone else is not good at either but there's some weird 80s style foot plants like me yeah <laughs> just making tricks up and then like and so then people look at it and they're like sick it's like it's actually really easy but no one else does it <laughs> that's why they all think it's hard <laughs> and then that's like someone like me is like wow i never thought that i would like like i'm um, doing this flip like flip tricks as, as much as when i see someone show me an example of that in their style or i never thought that like i'd like foot plants and yeah. then i see people like as they get into skating i see people foot planting and i'm like dude those look sick and there's just something <laughs> about it you know and like yeah. i might not be the do foot plants all the time but like it works itself into my you know my my skating oh yeah for sure and it's like but it's just weird because it's not like there isn't really a specific goal in skating you know and there's like no there isn't a pathway that's defined it just is and like that girl you're talking about more specifically if you just show up and do what you're motivated to do you would get recognizably good. Yeah. Like that, that yeah. I didn't know that's how learning worked. Not, not now. I'm not just learning that now. I didn't know how to tell learning worked when I was a kid. Yeah. I was taught that I was asked to recite poetry, right? Mm -hmm. When I was a kid from my uh, poetry class or whatever. And I got so afraid because I thought I remembered my, my phone numbers, home phone and stuff, mm -hmm. because like I repeated it. Like I didn't understand how I remembered num phone numbers. Like I didn't yeah. get how that worked. I didn't even get how I learned things. I just thought it like some things I just knew and like it just happened to me. Yeah. I didn't realize if you just try something over and over and over and over again, you're not going to suck. Like it's really hard to suck at something that you just do a lot. You know, you can jump in one place over and over and over again every day and you're actually, you'll, you'll get better to a point. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's like, that's not like, and so in someone who struggled with insecurity, I didn't realize how much of that's in your own control and in how much of that doesn't even matter at all. Because, mm. like, it's something that I struggle with with skateboarding with my son, or not struggle with, but I'm wary of, is that, like, you learn a lot to be confident when you get good at something. But wrapping your character and your self-worth, wrapping your self-worth up in your skills is perhaps not very healthy because it's not that you're a good person or that you, that you feel you're worthy because you're good at skateboarding or because your people like to hear you talk or you're funny. Mm -hmm. It's something more. And to believe that without a doubt, like that your character that is worthy and valuable, not because you're good at stuff, that's hard to teach. You know, and like skateboarding takes you to the dance, but it yeah. doesn't teach, it doesn't let all that sink in, you know? And that's something that 
that I think about a lot. Because for me, when I when I started ultra running, and they're like, "You run that far," and I'm like, yeah. "Start rock climbing." They're like, "You're brave," and I'm like, as someone who's like really nervous a lot, like to hear people <laughs> say that I'm brave, like that really fires the ego up, right? And maybe I am brave, but really. Yeah. I'm a coward and I'm brave and I always have been <laughs> like, no matter what I do, man. Yeah. You know, like even if I'm great at skateboarding, you'll catch me in a moment being really scared of something silly. I'm just like, this is what it is. Yeah. Where can people check out more about you, JP and wonders around the world? Um, you probably find wonders around the world on Instagram. It's uh, where we're most active. Mm -hmm. Just built, Another skate park in Pakistan, oh, or the first one in the country. That's cool. You find some good pictures and videos on there. It's uh, it's wonders around the world, org. And then I'll make sure to leave the link to that in the show notes too for the social media and the website. Hey kids. Yeah. Hey guys. Thanks so much, JP. I appreciate you, man. I don't know. Thanks, Will. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No. Do you want to go to the amusement park? No. Do you want to go to the punk rock show? Yeah, let's go to the punk rock show. <laughs> <laughs>